You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 200, Perfectionism, Guilt, Screen Time, and More. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hey, Mama. Welcome to episode 200 of the podcast. I read some statistics online that 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three. And of those who make it to episode four, another 90% quit after episode 20. So I am super proud of this podcast. And one of the things I'm always encouraging my clients to do is to pause and celebrate their accomplishments. You know, it's very easy to downplay or dismiss our successes or just acknowledge them and then quickly move on to the next goal. And I could very easily start focusing right away on the next 200 episodes, but I want to take a pause and, first of all, say thank you. This podcast could not have gotten to episode 200 without you, my listeners and supporters. I can't even begin to tell you how honored I feel that out of the 2.8 million podcasts out there, you choose to listen to this one. I don't take that lightly, and it means the world to me. And not only do you listen, but you leave reviews and email me messages and reach out on Instagram and come to my workshops and you tell your friends about the podcast. And best of all, you use the information I share here to improve your parenting and your relationships with your families. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Next, I want to thank my podcast editor, Daniel, and his wife, Michelle, They've been with me since the very beginning, and I'm so grateful for all that they do to make sure the episodes sound great and are uploaded and ready to go every Tuesday morning. And finally, I want to thank all of my guests who have joined me every 10th episode and helped make the show richer and more informative with their expertise and wisdom on so many topics. So in order to pause and celebrate what I've created over the past four years, throughout the month of June, I'm going to highlight my interview episodes and give you just a short clip from each of them so that A, you get the most useful pieces of information from them, and B, you can go back and listen to the entire episode if what you hear in the clip interests you and you want more from that guest. Another way I'm celebrating is that when you leave a review of the podcast in Apple Podcasts during the month of June, you will be entered to win one of nine books that my guests have written. There will be two winners, and those winners will get to choose which of the nine books they want me to send to them. Fun, right? Okay, so today I'm highlighting my guests from episodes one through 50, and you'll hear from Rachel Hart, Shira Gill, Susan Egan, Dr. Christy Goodwin, and my kids, Marissa and Dahlia. First up is Master Coach Rachel Hart from Episode 10. She helps women take a break from drinking, and her book is called Why Can't I Drink Like Everyone Else? 
a step-by-step guide to understanding why you drink and knowing how to take a break. A lot of moms struggle with this idea that their life has to be perfect. Their kids have to be perfect. Their house has to be tidy all the time and they have to get everything done. They have to do it all. And I'm, I'm curious to know like what relationship you see in, with your clients and with, or with yourself, the relationship between that perfectionism and the desire to drink. And then before I forget it, my other question for you is really about how you came to find the tools that you now teach and you know, that you use to help yourself stop drinking. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing, it's so fascinating to me because I do believe there is such a strong connection between perfectionism and looking for a reward. And that reward may be alcohol, it may be food, it may be you know a whole host of other things. But for me, perfectionism and drinking went hand in hand and I didn't understand it. For the longest time. You know, I thought that perfectionism was actually something that you should try to cultivate, right? Like this idea of, no, I'm just like working to be a perfect version of myself. That's a good thing, right? That's something I should cultivate. It's something I should work towards. I didn't understand how that quest for something that is, of course, unattainable, right? You can't, no one can be perfect was actually causing me a lot of negative emotion. So I had no idea that perfectionism was actually something you shouldn't strive to cultivate. I thought that it was something that was beneficial because I mistakenly believed, oh, that imaginary point in the future when I'm perfect, then I'll finally feel good about myself. And I thought that that was the only way. So I kept trying to strive and strive to feel good about myself. And so, you know, nine to five, it was really the apartment looks perfect and I'm perfect at my job and I always pay my bills on time. And, you know, it was never allowing myself to make any mistakes, which of course is exhausting because we're human. And so we're supposed to make mistakes, but I would, I would really fix it. I would beat myself up. Failure was never an option. I thought failure was something that you had to avoid at all costs. And so for me, at the end of the day, I was always both exhausted from running around trying to be perfect, but also I had so much negative emotion, right? I had all this kind of stress and anxiety because I constantly felt like I wasn't meeting this bar I had set for myself. And so of course I looked for a reward and alcohol especially became that reward. It became that reward, you know, especially when Friday would roll around after five days of trying to be perfect and be perfect and look perfect and do perfect. It was the only way that I knew how to kind of let my guard down. I know so many moms can totally relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's interesting for me because, you know, this work, I work with a lot of moms and I'm only newly a mom myself. I had a little boy two months ago. And it's really interesting to see how that perfectionism, like it can seep in anywhere, right? And I, and I now know, I now have that experience of being a mom and really understanding there's, we get so many messages about the right way to do things or the correct way or what the, kids should be doing or the baby or what the house should look like. And so it's no surprise that of course, at the end of the day, the brain is looking for a reward. And if you get into a habit of it, it's really easy that wine can be that reward, that daily reward at the end of the day. And then of course, 
you create a habit, your brain starts desiring it more. And without understanding how any of this works, you can start to feel like, hey, how did this happen? How did I end up here? Why am I having three glasses of wine every night and feeling like, oh, why can't I get that baby weight off? (laughs) Exactly. Why can't I get that baby weight off? Also, why do I just feel this desire for it? Right? Where did this desire come from? And why do I feel like on the nights where I don't have it? I feel a lot of negative emotion and I feel like I'm missing out. I'm missing out on my treat for myself. Yeah. And I think also moms, if they don't have it, they get crabby. Sometimes when they have it, they're also, you know, a little bit irritable and, and that affects the way that they're parenting too. Yeah. I will tell you, I have, I have seen this time and time again with so many of my clients. I have moms who will, you know, they come home from a long day, they're working and then like they got the kids at home, right? They don't come home to an empty house and they have to start getting dinner on the table. And so I have a lot of moms who get into the habit of, I start cooking dinner and I open up a bottle of wine. And it's really interesting because when I start talking to them about it, for a lot of them, they don't really enjoy cooking. Like the last thing that they want to be doing is putting a meal on the table after a long day. And so having that glass of wine is sort of their way to get through it. And so it's really interesting. I was talking with one of my clients recently and she was someone that just didn't like cooking. And we talked about that and she was like, well, I guess maybe I could just swing by the grocery store and pick up a roast chicken. But in her mind, that was kind of failing as a mom. Right. Right. That she had to be making the home cooked meal. Right. There's that perfectionism again. Right. Exactly. And it's like, well, maybe we could try, maybe we could try buying some things, um, not always having the home cooked meal. And you wouldn't be kind of rewarding yourself through it by drinking wine when you don't like how you feel the next day. You know, you don't like the weight, you don't like waking up feeling kind of fuzzy, Mm -hmm. you don't like having the disturbed sleep. But to her, that was a huge kind of aha because, you know, she hadn't really considered, oh, I'm using wine to get through this task I don't really want to do. And also, it's okay if I get a roast chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right? Like, it's okay if I'm not, you know... Yeah. Cooking a it doesn't, meal. it doesn't mean anything about you as a mom. Yeah. 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 And so that change alone was huge for her. Yeah. Next, we have Shira Gill from episode 20. She's a life coach and home organizing expert. Her book is called Minimalista, your step-by-step guide to a better home, wardrobe, and life. Here she is. We can never control other people. As much as we would love to, we can't. We can make requests. We can say, this is something that's a value of mine and important to me. And I would really appreciate it if you X, Y, or Z. But ultimately, people are going to do what they're going to do. So what my tactic is, and, and I will say, I've been with my husband for almost 20 years. And when I met him, he was a total slob. And he dumped stuff everywhere. And, you know, we were like night and day. We have been together for a long time. So obviously we've had time to work this out and find common ground. But I think from the beginning, I kind of intuitively got like, okay, having a streamlined, organized home is hugely important to me. It's not that important to him. I'm choosing to spend my life with him. I can't force him to do anything, but I want to make it as 
easy as possible for him to put things away. So I took on the bulk of the work in terms of streamlining and organizing and setting up simple intuitive systems. Like the mail basket is an example of just saying, you know what? I bought this basket. I put it in a really easy place by the door. When you come in, I'd love any paper, just toss it in here. So it couldn't be easier. It's just as easy as tossing it on any other surface in our home. Mm-hmm. But my thought around it was like, let me make this as easy as possible for him to be on board with and to maintain. Mm -hmm. So kind of emphasizing like, A, this is going to make your life easier because you can always find paperwork in our house. We know it's only in one place. And B, it's just as easy as tossing it on the kitchen counter, but this way it doesn't drive me crazy. So it's kind of a twofold answer of like, one, ultimately you have to take on the bulk of the work yourself, if it's your need and kind of own that, like this is my need, I'm going to put more energy into it and that's okay. With kids, I think it's different because I think we as parents and adults are able to go beyond a request, right? Like we can have expectations and rules and boundaries with our children. So I think of it as how can I make this as fun as possible for my kids so that I'm not nagging them all the time, but yeah. still have a very clear expectation of like in our house, you were asking like a day in the life. So, you know, we come in, we put our stuff away, the kids do their homework, then they put their homework back in their backpack, then they can play, you know, do art games, whatever, run around outside with the puppy Then it's dinner. And after dinner, they are responsible for clearing everything that they brought to the table and everything that they used. So Mm -hmm. we don't really pass go until that happens. Like if they want to watch a show or play a game, it's like, well, first we do these things. This is the expectation in our family. So will they clear their own plates? Then they pack their lunches for the next day and put them in the fridge. And then they'll go brush their teeth, get in their PJs and make sure like, everything is done and ready and reset for the next day. And at that point, I make sure there's some sort of fun thing. Like now we're going to do like family movie night or we'll do a game or we'll read a book together. Everything's taken care of. Now we have fun. Yeah. Love that. And, and I actually teach something where I call it when then. So you say mm-hmm. when all of this is done mm-hmm. then you get to watch your TV show or then you get to play a game or whatever. And it's not, you know, if you do this, it's when, so they right. know that they need to do that in order to get the fun part. I love that. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if you, do you remember the show bear in the big blue house? No. <laughs> I think it was like a a Jim Henson Muppety type show and they sing this song about clean up the house. And so my kids and I sing that song whenever it's like, okay, everyone let's clean up the house. And I give them, you know, I'll give like each one of us will get a a bag for rounding up all of our stuff and taking it back to our rooms or whatever. And yeah, it's totally fun. Yes. And I think, I mean, to get back to your initial question about like, what if your partner isn't on board? Mm-hmm. Uh, like with my husband, who initially really wasn't on board, I put a lot of energy into showing him the benefits. And my biggest advice is to always edit and organize every single thing you own before asking somebody else to do the same. Ah, so yes. I have a lot of people who are just like, I would say most people 
are just frustrated generally. And they're like, it's all a mess. Everything's a mess. Nobody's doing anything. And they will, you know, nag their kids, nag their partners. And I, my first question always is, have you taken the time to thoughtfully edit and organize and set everything that you own? Mm-hmm. And the answer is almost always no. Like, oh God, I know my closet's <laughs> a mess. You know, like my purse is a mess. Right. Because um, it's so much easier to tell somebody else yes, that their stuff is a mess course. than to look at your own. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always, I think, and leading by example, even just not talking to your partner or your kids until you've done that. And then you really will be able to speak from a place of, you know, I just went through this process and I'm just finding it's making my life so much easier. I'm so much less stressed. I don't lose things all the time. I can find what I need. It takes me two seconds to get dressed in the morning. Like whatever the particular benefits are for you. Right. And then like, hey, do you want me to help you with so-and-so, like whatever area that you might be struggling with? I'd love to show you what I've learned. Yeah. And the best part is most of the time you don't even have to say that they'll notice that you've made all these changes and they'll be like, Oh, that, you know, you seem so much happier and lighter. Can you help me? They'll, they'll ask you because they notice the changes in you. So you don't even have to say something. Yeah. Okay, now we have Susan Egan in episode 30. She's best known as Broadway's original Belle in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, Rose Court Pink Diamond in Steven Universe, and the voice of Megara in Disney's Hercules. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what it's been like for you to be a working mom and to, you know, and someone who travels a lot. What's been amazing about it for you? And what advice would you give to those working moms who maybe are struggling with guilt? Right. So, I mean, it's, it is a struggle all the time and I have not succeeded. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, there are costs to, to everything mm-hmm. on one sense. We're raising girls. I love that I'm raising girls. Um, and I want them to know that they can be anything they want to be. They can do anything they want to do. And so part of me exploring that for myself is leading by example. I, you know, I left New York and I left Broadway to be a mom because I did not want to miss bedtime. Mm. Every night, which is, yeah. you know, basically when they come home from school, I would be going to work but I still needed to make a living. So I left doing eight shows a week on Broadway and I started doing concerts. And the idea was that I could work, you know, one to two weekends a month and be home 75% of the time, um, which is pretty great. And uh, when I'm home, I am home. And that's, that's great. I'm the leader of two Girl Scout troops and, you know, did the soccer mom thing and, you know, sewing Halloween costumes and all that good stuff. But um but also when I'm gone, I'm gone. And that's really hard. Um, I do miss, I do miss out on things. Uh, They miss out on having me there during important things. You know, my husband and I talk about it a lot and he sort of says, you know, it's great for, for me in our situation for me to go and do this. And it gives me a few days away. It's always good for people to miss each other. Um, we do appreciate the time we have together. So these are all the positives, Yeah, but it's always a, a pull and hard. And, you know, you get a, a teary phone call from 
a daughter who's just had a fight with her sister, literally when they call places and I'm supposed to be on stage and their lives are the most important things to them and their problems are the most important things to them. And, and yet I can't stay in that dressing room and talk. Right. And that's where it's just, it's a bummer. It's a big bummer. Yeah. I wish I could schedule everything to be just so, Hey, can you have your meltdowns? Like (laughs) I still have time, you know, but, but that's not life. Yeah. But also, you know, not everybody gets everything. I also feel like we're in a, we're in a society right now where kids are getting everything they want and we're not raising really strong children. (laughs) I agree. 100%. Everybody has some struggle. There's never going to be that perfect balance of work and home. There is the positive and the negative. And like you said, it's the going away that makes the being together that much more special, right? And you wouldn't appreciate each other as much if you didn't have that other time apart. So in some people's minds, that's a justification, but it's really actually, I can only speak for myself. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I am, I'm lucky in the sense that, you know, we all get burnt out. And for me, every once in a while, I get to completely flip a different switch. And Mm -hmm. what I do demands a hundred percent of my focus because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are expecting something and they've paid a lot of money for it. And, um, and I need to turn that on and be there fully for them. Mm -hmm. And so, and just a couple hours of doing that, I flip the switch back and phone my daughter at the end of the show and and it's almost like a reset in my brain where i i think i'm a better mom i'm i'm a little fresher for her i'm a little you know not caught up in it i wasn't there to watch the meltdown of everybody <laughs> you know yeah know. so and there's also you're setting you're setting such a great example for her of like using all of your gifts and talents to give back to people and I mean, I I just, it's it's not, it's not the right choice for everybody. You know what? My best mom Mm -hmm. friend here is definitely stay at home, stay at home mom who doesn't miss a single thing. And, and, you know, tells me from time to time that she made a conscious choice to, you know, never have anybody else watching her, you know, and, um, and I get it. And that's the right choice for her for sure. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I actually don't think I would be a great mom doing that because I think I need to express myself to get, you know, to go and do that. And yes, I also think it, it shows my girls, you know, oh, you can go and accomplish your dreams and work hard and do something. But I also don't think my friends' children don't see that, you know, uh, you know, it's just it, different choices for different people, especially yeah. new moms. I talk with new moms and I go, you know, you're going to discover for yourself whatever it takes for you to be the best mom you can be. And if that means bottle feeding, then bottle feed, yeah. you know, and if right. that means, you know, hiring a sitter and just going out with your girlfriends and pumping and dumping, then you yeah. do that. Like, you know, right. you find what it is for me. For me, I think really exercising my brain, you know, this, this, I'm on a new business venture right now with two other Broadway actresses and a musical director where we formed this company and we're doing um, concerts across the country and it's take, it's feels like a full-time job. And, um, but it's exercising my brain in a way that I think is good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I admit it's also selfish. It is. 
you know, I'm definitely putting the oxygen mask on myself first and then helping others. Right. right. And that's, you know, I talk about that all the time. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to put the oxygen mask on first, all the cliches, but it's true, you know, like, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you are full and you go out and give a performance and you sing your heart out and, you know, then you can give to your kids what they need as their mom, because you are full. Um, and, and I absolutely agree with what you said that it's not for everybody. I, I did a podcast recently that there are no wrong decisions. Like it's whatever feels good for you, Amen. Um, you know, is, is right. And so I, I'm glad you brought that up. Next up is Dr. Christy Goodwin from episode 40. She's one of Australia's leading digital wellness experts, as well as a researcher, speaker, author, and consultant, and talks about being the pilot of your family's digital plane. Take a listen. You mentioned you have kids, right? You have three boys. Is that right? I do. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you structure screen time in your own home? Yes. So as the pilot of the plane, my pilots of the plane, my husband and I have come up with some boundaries around our kids' screen use. Now, our kids at the the moment we're recording this are eight, five, and I've got a 14-week-old. So the 14-week-old is not having any screen time, um, but the eight and the five-year-old do. And I often say that to parents, you know, my kids do use screens. This is not about suggesting that they never use it. Um, Digital abstinence isn't the solution. Um, And I will admit our screen rules have changed over time. We revisit them constantly because, you know, our kids are changing, um, the way they respond to screens change. Uh, Our kids do not have their own device. So we have a family, um, two iPads that the family owns, um, Mm -hmm. and that's really important, I think, at a young age. We have decided in the last probably 18 months that our kids don't use screens um, Monday to Friday. Friday afternoon they do. Um, Friday afternoon and the weekend they have access. What I found and my husband also found was that if we allowed them to watch TV or to do something on the iPad before school or preschool, uh, they became very distracted. Getting the morning routine nailed became really difficult and I started to look at the reasons why And, and, you know, we know that um, often why we get what I call techno tantrums, why kids, you know, emotionally combust when we try and digitally disconnect them, is that often it's just their sensory and their nervous system has been hyper aroused. So what they're trying to do when they switch off is discharge the cortisol that is built up in their body. Now, I know as a mum to boys, that was not the ideal start to the day. You know, I didn't want to then send them in this hyper aroused, overexcited state to school where it would be a lot harder for them to pay attention. So we've made that decision. Now, that doesn't mean every family needs to adopt those, those rules. And we have limits on the weekend. So Friday afternoon, we tend to have a movie night together, but then Saturday and Sunday, they have access to the family iPads and we have installed filters so we can restrict what they can access. We also give them limits. So they have a a period in the morning, usually 45 minutes to an hour, and then the same in the afternoon. And again, that will change over time. At this point in time, they're not interested in gaming. Um, So it is literally um, watching YouTube and television um, and doing some educational games as well and that's the extent at this stage but it it evolves and it changes one thing we've been very firm on is not having it too close to bedtime so to prevent that the impact on their sleep and also having firm limits as to what activities you know really curating the content that they can use on these devices and it's working well for now yeah yeah I, I actually have you know similar boundaries with my girls 
and they're a bit older, they're 13 and nine, they don't have their own phone and they're probably the last in their grade, you know, not to have their own phone. What would you say though to a parent who maybe didn't set things up from a young age like you and I did, but, you know, are now getting to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming and we're, you know, there's the techno tantrums and we're, we're getting into arguments about it. How could they, if they feel like, oh, it's too late for me, you know, something like that, how would they implement something now? Yeah. And I'm going to say the good news is that it's never too late. And the neuroscience tells its brains are very malleable and very plastic up until they're somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age. So there's plenty of time to course correct, even if you didn't set the habits up early on. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say don't go in cold turkey. Don't go in and make radical changes. It will be frustrating for you as a parent and it will have very little likelihood of success. What I suggest to most parents, depending on the age of the child, is to explain why you're making the changes. If you can give kids facts and science, they tend to be much more willing to adopt your ideas or at least consider your ideas. So giving them the reasons why, you know, explaining that the screen use might impact on their vision, it might impact on on their hearing or their capacity to pay attention or impact their sleep, giving them reasons why you're wanting to make these changes, then come up with strategies together rather than just imposing new rules and boundaries. Um, Get your child to come up with strategies so that they've got some sort of Mm -hmm. buy-in. Some really pragmatic strategies when you're having these conversations, two really important things, do it in neutral territory. So go um, for a walk, um, go to a local cafe, somewhere where you're in neutral territory because you're much more likely to have an amicable conversation. The other pragmatic strategy here is not to do it at night. When I talk to parents, I often explain one of the reasons why we know so much cyberbullying, in fact, most cyberbullying occurs at night, isn't just because kids have access to the technology at night. The real reason, we believe, is what is happening in the brain and the frontal lobe of the brain, that, that logical part of the brain switches off, and a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is the emotional centre brain of the brain switches on. So this is why we seem to have more arguments with our spouses and our children uh, at night because our logical brain switches off and our emotional brain switches on. That's so, so, it's, it's so fascinating. I love learning about that kind of thing. Yeah, it's us as adults. You know, most adults <laughs> literally yeah. have their arguments at night. And so I often say jokingly, but it works to people in seminars, when your partner's picking a fight with you, just say to them, my prefrontal cortex is off. My amygdala is on. Could we discuss this? In <laughs> and they're usually so blown away with your sophisticated vocabulary that they mm-hmm. ditch the argument. Um, but the same thing, if we're wanting to tackle these tricky topics with our kids, not doing it at night. So choosing a neutral venue and having these conversations usually in the morning or in the middle part of the day is more likely to have success. But getting the kids buy-in, explaining why you wanted to make these changes and making the changes over time. What I also found from um, working with families works really well is crowding out the screen time with other activities. One of the reasons often our kids and why we as adults like using the technology is it because it gives us those positive neurotransmitters. You know, we get the hits of dopamine and serotonin how can we crowd out that screen time but still give kids those pleasurable feelings? So physical, increasing physical activity, anything um, that kids enjoy doing can be a good substitute. So crowding out the screen time rather than just saying we're cutting out your screen time, go Mm -hmm. and figure out. Yeah, replacing it with something else, yeah. Yeah. Finally, we have my kids in episode 50, talking about what they want all moms to know. 
what is one thing that you want moms listening to know about raising kids? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that they, moms, mm-hmm. should let their kids do things that they like to do. Not anything dangerous, obviously, or anything that's, like, stupid and might get them hurt or anything. But, like, if they want to stay up late one night and you never let them stay up late, then you can let them stay up late one night because it's just fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, I think a lot of parents, like moms, think that if they let their kid do this one time, then the kid is just going to, like, ask over and over, oh, can we do it again? Can we do it again? I mean... I don't know about other kids, but, like, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just think that, like, mm-hmm. kids would appreciate having a fun night or a fun day out or something, you know, because it's nice to have something unusual, something different than what you usually do, like a treat every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is one thing that you want moms who are listening to know about raising children? You're a good mom. Like, if you're thinking, I'm such a bad mom, I shouldn't be doing this. You're a good mom. How do you know? What makes them a good mom? Because some kids don't get fed or snuggled or loved. Mm -hmm. Some kids just, like, get tortured true and so just just the fact that they're listening to a podcast on how to be a better parent is that does that make them a good mom yeah yeah it makes them a really good mom yeah for them to do that and I mean, <laughs> out of the mouths of babes can't argue with that all right mama thanks for tuning in to today's special episode Don't forget to leave a rating and review of the podcast in Apple Podcasts and come back next week to hear highlights from my interviews with parenting experts and educators. Have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.